Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We're your hosts, Richard Geiger and Ken Seymour. Painting up a storm today, my friend. Painting pictures of 1960s nostalgia. <laughs> That's right. We're going we're gonna to be enthusiastic. There is going to be comic splatter all over the place. I probably took that a little too far on the metaphorical interpretation. Well, you know, if you're, if you're rolling... Whether that's on the wall or just, you know, in momentum, there's going to be splatter. So There absolutely is. But the splatter in this instance is just the detritus of actors and writers and pop culture references that will stick for, uh, for the rest of your days with you. I, I'm constantly making these, these references and I look around and see who recognizes them and sometimes it happens, but usually I'm, I'm just on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Had a Darkwing Duck uh, reference earlier today. That was pretty pleasing. That was really nice. That, was a, that made me a, a happy kind of capper. Now, we this is our third episode talking about the history of comic book and comic strip uh, television shows. Yes. Um, I feel like before, momentum will pick up eventually. Yes. And we'll hit a, a, we'll hit a list where we run into characters, creatures, creativity, things that people didn't realize were comic books and were long-running TV shows and yep. fun stuff and a lot of obvious things. But for now, there's a few things that uh, may not be so... Well, most of these are actually pretty recognizable. Oh, yeah. If you're old like us, I guess. But the the big thing is, this is still kind of the early days of television. I mean, we had finished up until about 1960, on the last episode, so we're kind of coming back in, uh, and there a lot of a lot of networks are still trying to get their footing, trying to figure out who they are and what they're trying to do, and a lot of shows are trying to figure out what they can get away with and what they can tell as a story and what what people will respond to. So it's still a lot of uncharted territory. Yeah, there's not a lot of screen time available, so you got to be choosy, right? right? I think still even the 1960s, after a certain hour of the day, <laughs> you're getting the, the the stripes and the the emergency uh, you know, clarion sound at a certain at a certain hour. Um, Nobody stays up past 10 o'clock to yeah. watch television. Right, right. But there's so much good stuff. Now, as a reminder, uh, gentle listener, when we talk about a comic book or comic strip television show, we are talking about a show based upon uh, a property that was originally a comic book or comic strip. Or if it was not originally a comic book or comic strip, it was you know a piece of literature previously. It was never a radio program. We don't do those things where it starts as a TV show and then it becomes a comic book and then it becomes a different TV show. We don't really count that except where we decide to make exceptions. <laughs> can always make exceptions that's okay that's right but uh we try and keep it simple and uh we are including both real live action shows as well as animated series uh we're trying to be a little more comprehensive and eventually i'm also going to just throw in a handful of films we did the original comic book film series where we ignored anything that was animated I think eventually when we get to some animated movies, we might just throw some some honorable mentions in there. We won't like go into it deep, but uh, just say, hey, this year, these things came out. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones that are out there, so they're at least worth 
mentioning in some form or fashion. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start in the year of 1960. The, the first show that we're going to talk about is Popeye the Sailor. I'm sure that there are those of you that are familiar, but those of you that are not familiar, Popeye the Sailor is based on the comic strip of the same name that was by L.Z. Seeger uh, out in 1929. This particular show had two seasons animated. Um, uh, can, you t- can you guess what profession that Popeye was? <laughs> He's Popeye the Sailor Man. That's right. You know, that's about as far as I'll go with that. Yeah, so it's, 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 it is some of the more fun memories I have uh, seeing some of those old cartoons because it's kind of like uh, an animated Salvador Dali painting in some respects. When they start going into the craziness, uh, the laws of physics need not apply. Uh, some of the things they do are just ridiculous hit somebody so hard they turn you know hit a fish so hard it turns into a can of tuna things like that you know just just ridiculous um but you know this this comic strip was really popular and it has a following even to this day we talked about the the popeye movie that was out in the 80s when we were doing the 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 stuff that came out is they've got great characters. I mean, not just Popeye, but Bluto is easy. Got that really mean face. Easy to dislike him as a as a bad guy, and you know, Olive Oil as the love interest who is basically just a stick. <laughs> Very tall. Very tall stick, and then you've got, of course, uh, uh, Blimpy, uh, who would gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Uh, Question, which has nothing to do with this. Yeah. When was the last time you ate at a Blimpy's? Does that even exist anymore? I'm pretty sure it does, but I haven't I haven't been there any time recently. I'm not big on on the cold cut sandwiches. Mm. I don't like to do them very often either, but I was just thinking about that the other day. No reason. No, that's pretty much it. But uh if you were Wondering who uh, was the the voice of the dulcet tones of this this rough and tumble sailor, that would be the actor by the name of Jack Mercer. Um, he is an Indiana native. What? Right? Pretty neat. Um, but uh, had that kind of uh, had that kind of iconic sound, and he did voice acting. Uh, for a very, very long time. He actually, um, <clears throat> pardon me. Did I see something there from like just a few? Well, yes, he died in 84. Oh, okay. But so. they still use some of his, uh, he, he's going to continue to get credits as his, as his voice is used. But basically he was the voice of Popeye for pretty much all of Popeye whenever it came out. And he did a bunch of other, he did Felix the Cat on uh, nice. the TV series that came out there and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he's, he was well known and he had, he had a bunch of, uh, he had a bunch of live action credits too, but he is mainly known for his, his voice work. So, I mean, if you watch some of those old cartoons, uh, even if you don't really remember, uh, Popeye the Sailor, you have almost certainly um, listened to this gentleman at some point. Uh, we're going to see him again. Yes, we are. Popular guy. Multiple, multiple times. But uh, 
Uh, May Questel did olive oil in this. Another kind of name that people that are kind of familiar with um, older theater may be, you know, recognize. But uh, she has more traditional acting references, but she has just been in a ton of stuff. She was even in her last acting credit was National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Nice. So it's just kind of kind of crazy to think about that, that she was just in so many films in the 50s and 60s, uh, technically going back all the way to the 1930s. She was in a ton of stuff. Um, Betty Boop. Yes. Uh, I was just noticing, based on these credits, that the oil in olive oil is O-Y-L. Yes, because it's name. It'd be silly to be called olive oil and have it be O-Y-L. <laughs> That's making any sense. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that's really the, the big things that I wanted to point out for this particular set of casting. I mean, like any other animated uh, show, there's going to be um, there's going to be a lot of directors that are going to be attached to it. Um, the funny thing is, um, you just um, you just don't really. It's hard. It's harder to feel the the impact of the director on an animated show like this. Just as a as a viewer, it's not something that you'll normally. It's like, oh, I always love that director. Yeah, you, you're not gonna not gonna feel it. Well, he did. Uh, what am I seeing here? Dumbo, Pinocchio. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about Jack Kinney, who was the director for the vast majority of the the Popeye television show. Um, there were a lot of directors, but yeah, he's if it was a Disney thing or some of the early animation, this guy was probably involved in it in some way, shape, or form. I bet you can still find some uh, Popeye on some type of channel. Like obviously, you can watch it on some type of streaming service for sure, but I bet it's out on some traditional uh, channel somewhere. I think it's got a lot of longevity. But, yeah, the, the funny thing is, thinking about the the short film, the first actual appearance of Popeye was when Betty Boop met him mm. in the film. That was that was amusing to think about. So, um, But, yeah. If you've seen the if you've seen the cartoons, they are great. Uh, if you want to see a more recent kind of um, use of it, uh, if you watch the YouTube channel uh, Death Battle, uh, they did uh, an episode where it was Popeye against somebody. I'm spacing who it was, and that was another one of those kind of ridiculous battles. But you know, they always do a historical bit on each of the characters mm -hmm. and you get to see some of that original animated cartoonery so and of course you can find them on youtube still also just on their own yeah popeye nice now what's next now also in this time frame not everything can be as successful as a, a show that is going to be able to get picked up uh just just like now some shows have to have a well, most shows have a pilot, and then the networks look and decide whether they want it or not, and uh, sometimes it just doesn't happen. 
That happened in 1961 with The Adventures of Superboy. Have you seen this one? I have not. It is black and white. It was I'm, I don't even know it I don't know if it ever really aired on TV specifically. Um, it's listed as a TV movie in IMDB, which it most certainly is not. Uh, <laughs> it is still a pilot for a television show, but 26 minutes. Yeah, it's the thing about Superboy is Superboy basically is Superman. Kind of, sometimes. It's, in the comics, a little weird. Because there are instances where Superboy is definitely Superman. You're just seeing him when he's younger. But there's also instances where Superman and Superboy team up. Because they're not from the same Earth. Or a variety of other different things that happen. They've, they've retconned things and changed things over the year. From the Golden Age to the Silver Age and... Uh, uh, one of my favorite versions, there's uh, the one of the more current Superboys, is a blend of DNA between Superman and Lex Luthor. And uh, that was the one that came out right after the death of Superman's storyline in the comic books. Connor? Was that his name? Uh, that sounds right. Um, but uh, so the real first appearance of Superboy was in... Um, 1945. Now, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were the creators, which is not terribly surprising because the creators of Superman are the same guys. <laughs> so it's nothing new, but the, the issue is called More Fun Comics number 101, if you ever want to take a look. And if you look at the, the front cover, you will have no idea that Superboy is in it. <laughs> More fun. Yes, indeed. It does look like it's more fun because you get the green arrow and Speedy on that cover. Oh, nice. So kind of a kind of a cool thing. But it does say that, or sorry, Johnny Quick, uh, does say that Aquaman and the Spectre in it does not mention Superboy. <laughs> we'll see an afterthought and then. No, I just don't know if they, I'm guessing they didn't know if he was going to become popular. Just you know, just part of the story just happens, but uh, the casting in this um, is kind of nothing to <laughs> nothing to really be uh, terribly interested in. At least for me, like uh, John Rockwell is the individual that would have played uh, Superboy, and he has been picked up. He was not in a lot of stuff. This was his big shot. Yeah, one of them anyway. Uh, and Lana Lang would have been a major character in this, played by Bunny Henning. And Bunny Henning, on the other hand, had a number of things that she was in. She was in Petticoat Junction, which was pretty popular. Uh, but she didn't have a major role in a lot of anything. <laughs> I like your character, Gladys Knockelheimer. <laughs> right? <laughs> So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of actors that look like this, like you said, it could have been their big break. Just didn't really go anywhere. So, I'm going to assume that uh, it was probably one of those instances where they were just trying to capitalize on some popularity of Superman. And they know kids like superheroes. Let's try it. And it just, not enough, um, not enough fiber to it. 
Yeah. I think you can only go so far. What I wonder what was the nickname the the boy wonder would have been Robin. So Right. Um Superboy. Junior? <laughs> go get him, Junior. Um now the funny thing is the the director really loved Superman. <laughs> So the the director of this was George Blair, and he he did a lot of Superman stuff up until this point. Um, not not exclusively, but uh, the previous television series he was a uh, a director on the Adventures of Superman, and I'm sure that's all it was. It's like, oh well, we can spin this off and we can get something happening. It didn't happen this time, but they did manage to get it to, to look like it going '66. So. Yeah, so maybe not in the way that they uh, expected. but uh, So, yeah, not much to say about this. No clue about the plot. If you don't know Superman, Superboy, you're living in a bubble, and you're not listening to this podcast. So <laughs> Even in the 60s, trying to capitalize on something that was popular by doing a spinoff. Right, exactly. Um, now, the, the first one that we're going to talk about that was a really a bigger show. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that Popeye wasn't, but I mean, it's a series of small cartoons, so it really didn't do much. Um, it, it, it was, it was not say a knot's landing or something, uh, a night court. Um, but, uh, the next one I want to talk about also came out in 1961, had five seasons. Oh, this show did. And this was a live-action adaptation of a comic strip. The name of the television show was called Hazel. Now, Hazel was originally by Ted Key. Uh, the comic strip came out in 1943. Um, so basically, if you can't tell by the imagery, Hazel is a maid. And also kind of a nanny. So kind of uh, capitalizing on that Julie Andrews sound of music. Five, you say five years? Five years, not just five years. Uh, the actress that uh, played Hazel, Shirley Booth, won two Emmys for the role. Dang. She was in all the episodes. It looks like so. Like they kept, uh, they they kept the cast consistent. Yes, they did, and it's and it's not surprising that this is one of the ones that would take off a little bit better. It's, it's wholesome. It's just you know family life and moral lessons and here is somebody that can show love to everybody and that we love and uh, pay minimum wage <laughs> to, <laughs> to clean our house good job Hazel <laughs> what else did Shirley Booth do Shirley Booth had a fairly decent career she was in um, a number of films that came out in the 50s and I believe back to the 40s late 40s so um, so she she this was her first big foray into television she had done a couple of films previously but other than this the only other thing that she did that was a really a bigger thing was she was in a show called A Touch of Grace that came out in 1973 um, so maybe not a name that you would really know, but it's another kind of, um, uh, more of a family 
friendly sort of thing. Was she the main? I mean, she was playing Grace. Yes. Newly widowed, has a youthful spirit, which puts her at odds with blah, 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 blah. Got a season out of it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So Half a season. In in terms of, I just thought it was really interesting that, you know, talking about people getting their big break. Well, Hazel was hers. I mean, not only was that her thing, and she won awards for it, but that was it. It. And, uh... Now, I'm sure she probably could have had uh, some stage presence. A lot of times, actors will go back and forth between. But I didn't research into that, and I'm tired. So (laughs) I'm going to assume she did. Sure. Have you seen Hazel any episodes? Not a single episode. I actually read the comic strip. Uh, I was a big fan of a lot of comic strips. I... I spent an inordinate amount of time in the public library when I was young. So I tended to dig into some historical comics whenever I could get my hands on them. Um, now, Maudie Prickett was also in this show uh, as a recurring character. Um, I only bring this up just because that she was a recurring person that you would see on the Jack Benny show. I just, it's a face you recognize when you see some things. I'm not talking about watching older things, but she was on a bunch of Disney movies. And, you know, she was one of those people that would just show up in television shows and be be that person. Like, I know who that is. She was in the Andy Griffith show. She was on the Red Skelton uh, Hour. You know, just all these classic television shows. Uh, she was all over the place. She was funny. She was really funny. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, the only other name that really, for me, uh, jumped out out of this was, um, where'd it go? Uh, William Russell, the series director. Uh, William Russell was another Indiana native. Indiana <laughs> so it's like, oh, that, it's like, why, why does that name sound familiar? Why would I know that? Well, because I was in a public library with an Indiana room and the people that's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And amazingly enough, uh, <laughs> the TV show, Family Affair, uh, just kind of, uh, he's, he's done a, he's done it few things other than this uh dennis the menace perry mason and he he had a lot of directorial work busy yeah so that's kind of cool um but since neither of us have really watched this (laughs) what do you think move on yes okay (laughs) thanks hazel (laughs) now i will say this uh if you feel like we're going too fast through this uh, too bad. We're going to keep moving <laughs> at this pace because we have the goal. Our goal in this episode is we want to at least get through about 10 titles. If we can keep that pace within an episode or two of doing this historical thing, we're going to start getting into shows that we've watched and we'll actually be able to comment on. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah, things like that. But uh, uh, while we're still in the late 50s and early 60s, there's just not much there. Except for Hazel. Yeah. So, boom. One down. 
Lots to go. So our next entry, uh, we're still in 1961. Now this one's interesting. This is uh, another pilot, a show that didn't quite make it. And uh, it is based on the character The Phantom. The Phantom. Now are you familiar with The Phantom? Um. Yes, Billy Zane. Oh yes. Okay. That that is that is fair. Um, so, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So. so Lee Falk is the the creator of the comic strip. So the whole idea of the Phantom is he's kind of Batman before Batman was Batman. Um. So the neat thing about him, beyond the fact that he wears a giant purple suit, um, is he's supposed to be kind of immortal, not the character, but it's a legacy. Um, it's a legacy thing. So it's passed on generation to generation through the family. Somebody is always the phantom protecting the jungle and, and beating the bad guys. So it's like, how's there always a phantom? He's been around for you know 300 years. So it, it makes it seem like he's more than he really is. And, but you know, it's still just a dude in a purple outfit. <laughs> There's no real, real powers to speak of. Purple bodysuit. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really kind of interesting um, that this this particular comic strip took off the way that it did because it it's been out for forever. I mean, 1936 is a long time to to think about how they tried to do kind of that sort of superhero thing in a newspaper and. It, I just don't see how you could really do that well in three panels or six panels per week. Per week, yeah. Uh, but it had one thing going for it in the comic strip that I felt was different, and that was the artistic style. It had a very striking uh, way that, that the inking was done. So, you know, because you, you had to have it be kind of ominous. Uh, and, and kind of intimidating, and that was all done with the inking because you couldn't get great color because of the way that they pressed the newspapers. So it all had to be in, in however you were going to set up the artwork and the line work or the, or the inking. And there was just some, some, really great, some really great style that came out of that that I still love. Plus he wears purple. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Now... Take a look at this, though. I don't see how this show didn't get picked up. It had Lon Chaney Jr. as one of the characters in it. I mean, Lon Chaney is just a master of horror and special effects. It's like, oh, that on its own should be it. But it has Richard Keel mm-hmm. in it. Now, I don't know if you listeners recognize that name, Right off the bat, but but think 007 or think um, Happy Gilmore, mm-hmm. uh, the guy that has a, a nail in his head <laughs> for a good chunk of the film. Um, he he has a very striking look and is a big dude and a lot of charisma. Yeah, he. Uh, what, what was what was his uh, Bond name? Jaws. Was it? Yes. Yes, he was he was Jaws. And so I mean those two just on their own in there would be to me like enough. It's like yeah, this show's going to be awesome. 
but they also had Paulette Goddard in it. And she was just in a ton of films in the, the 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and she was generally pretty prominent in all of those films and, and was a name. So they've got they've got the star power. Just not the story power. I guess that must have been it. But I mean just looking at the at some of the uh, some of the photos that they have asso- well, that's interesting. Associated with it on <laughs> on IMDB. It looks like they had some fun making it. Uh, though I'm starting to wonder how much of this is actually from this show and what if it if it's just like, oh, this is the other stuff these actors have been in. I'm thinking that's all they did. Oh, okay. You punks. Yeah, because you're you're just we're just looking at Paulette. Oh, right. Smart. Can you tell we're recording late at night? <laughs> We've used up all the brain power. Brain power is gone. No photos. Okay, that makes more sense. Oh, the, the movie was so great that didn't even <laughs> no recorded history <laughs> on picture or film. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, but anyway, you get my point. That is a heck of a cast to not get picked up. Billy Zane. That's all I got. I think that's a little before his time. But uh, while there's no uh, Billy Zane, there was a Howard Daniels that directed it, and. He's not really worth getting into. <laughs> not really. I saw Colt 45. Right, right. That's, that's not the drink that you're expecting. Um, so we are finally able to almost move on from 1961. We have one more uh, entry that actually did get picked up. It's an animated series, Dick Tracy. Um, it's hard not to love Dick Tracy, especially with a very stylized uh, type of art that this original cartoon had. Um, if you're not familiar with Dick Tracy, uh, Chester Gould created the strip in 1931. It's basically just uh, like a idealized sort of FBI takes on the world, but I've got gadgets. Like, what if I could wear a phone on my wrist? How crazy is that? I'm going to wear an Apple Watch and wear a yellow rain jacket. <laughs> They'll never be able to shoot me in this yellow rain jacket. Never. <laughs> I I loved all of the all of the different villains in Dick Tracy. Just the amount of imagination because they they never went into sort of any sort of powers. They never had powers. There would be a certain amount of mystery, but ultimately they're all just gangsters. But it's like, well, how are we going to make these gangsters different? Well. What if one of them had a prune face? Uh, okay. <laughs> nice. What if this one had a flat, squared head? <laughs> then someone, one of them had like a huge nose. Is that yeah. one too? Yeah, th- definitely. And it's just kind of, it is crazy uh, to think about it in that in that way. That's, that's the only thing that's just make them look weird. So... Yeah, flat top. That's who you're thinking mm, of. Yep. But uh, not Joe Jitsu. Definitely not Joe Jitsu. Um, now, one thing to remember in this one, though, uh, you've got a couple. Uh, the, the the big names to think about are Everett Sloan and Paul Freeze that did the majority of the voices. You know, they'd have some guests here and there, which I do find it amusing that on 
IMDb, if you look at it, the guys that did most of the voices are at the bottom. And like Mel Blanc shows up ahead of him, and he, he was in one episode. <laughs> Uncredited. Yeah. Mel Blanc being, you know, think uh, Bugs Bunny, if you are unfamiliar. But uh, Everett Sloan is uh, another, you know, pretty well known actor that was just in tons and tons and tons of stuff. So he did a lot of voice work. I mean, if you're familiar with, uh, um, some of the older, some of the older cartoons, you'll see him here and there, but mostly he did guest spots on television shows and roles and films and things like that. So, oh, he is in the Zorro TV series in 1959 with a recurring role of Andres Philippe Basilio. Was he on uh, Mr. Magoo as Dick Tracy? Yes, I see was. that. Yes, he was. Because <laughs> he's got the voice of Dick Tracy. Because you got to have that kind of. He, he had it. Way he, to un- enunciate everything clearly. Yeah, I would have I would have loved to have that. It's like, well, what do you have to do? You just have to make everything sound serious. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever will we do? Go to the car now. You know, so, yeah, that's kind of, that was, at least that's how I remember it. I could be misremembering, but I don't think I am. I seem to remember that was kind of the, the feel that his voice had when he was doing the doing the role. Well, when you said that Mel Blanc, Blanc was doing a flat top, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, what are you, what are you really trying to do here? <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, Paul Freeze also, same kind of thing. He just did a ton of voices. Now, this is one that my wife would be very upset if I didn't mention that he was Mabrook in the last unicorn uh so that's uh, that's a great one he has a great one uh but yeah he was in just again tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff in fact he was actually in a lot more than everett was in just because he was more of the voice actor wherever it was more of the live action kind of an actor he played a, a orc in return of the king he is bomber and Bill Huggins, and Troll Leader in uh, the TV movie of The Hobbit. And then Carr in Night Raider. That's Kit versus Carr. Oh, okay. It's like, wait, what? Okay, yeah. So, yeah. So, he, he had an interesting uh, an interesting career. What was he? He was in Frosty the Snowman also. Yeah. Frosty the Snowman. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you if you want to get the 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 vibe of what he sounded like, yeah, there you go. He was Mr. Fox in the Tootsie Pop cartoons, which you can still see today that pop up every once in a while, right? But yeah, classic Dick Tracy. But let's let's see if we can get just a little farther into uh, current day. We'll move forward one year, uh, nineteen sixty-two. That's right, right. It's a year closer. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So 1962, uh, if you're familiar with Archie Comics, they attempted to do an Archie uh, television show in 1962. They were going to call it Life with Archie. Got the pilot. Um, never had anything happen with it. Uh, Victor Bloom and Bob Montana, uh, Montagna uh, created Archie in 1941. Um, I love Archie's. 
I when I was uh, collecting comic books really regularly when I was younger, my prized possession was a Jughead's Jokes number two. Hmm. What about when you chewed gum? Not, Wasn't there Archie Comics in... No, that was Bazooka Joe. That was Bazooka Joe. Same idea. Yeah, same, same concept. So the whole idea of Archie, if you're not familiar with Archie, which it's kind of weird. I would have said five years ago maybe that I could talk to a bunch of people that would have no idea about what Archie comics were because they were older. But now you've got Riverdale and you've got all those shows that are based on the Archie properties now. It's like, yeah, maybe they kind of know. No, but don't know yeah, <laughs> because it's definitely not like the comics. But it was kind of slice of life Americana, teenage, angsty, uh, how will I ever deal with my acne and how do I pick between two beautiful girls that both want to date me while avoiding the big dumb jock? Uh, Gee, Archie. Yeah, it's that. Let's go to the sock hop. Um, but uh, I always loved the fact that, you know, Jughead wore a crown. Who wears a crown ever other than, like, you know, royalty? Someone who's got the juice. Right, just as I thought that was that was so unique, and not just a crown, but like it's a crown, but it's bent in one spot. Mm. <laughs> it's not a not a really good crown, but uh, heavy is the crown. Yeah, this is another of those uh, groups of actors that I'm not going to really get into because not really anything that I felt was too terribly noteworthy. And the director's name was Gene Nelson. Now he did quite a bit of. Uh, did quite a bit of stuff over the years, but nothing that uh, I would say would uh, be all that impressive to people from nowadays. Now, from slightly older people, if you're familiar with The Mod Squad, he directed quite a number of episodes of that, and The FBI was also a fairly big television show for a few years. Um, but... It's a Star Trek episode. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, he got around. Um, Donna Reed's show. You know, did a bunch of those, but the rifleman kissing cousins. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to click on that. Uh, ju- just in case. Yeah, that, I won't click on that either for a different reason. Uh, but you know, it's just kind of a. I, I, I'm. This is something that you'll see happen, and it'll happen over and over again. Certain shows will try to get made, and it just never really pans out. Or it just rarely pans out, and then all of a sudden it does. But this property was always fertile ground because the Archie spun off into so many other things. You know, you got Josie and the Pussycats, which started in the Archie comics, and that, you know, had a, a, a big impact on pop culture, both with, uh, you know, animated cartoon and movies. And you got Sabrina the Teenage Witch was from the Archies. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, it had a lot of stuff that, that we got to take advantage of. See, look at that crown. That's awesome. Oh, Archie. You know what's also awesome? Our website. Yes, you put a lot of time and effort into it. (laughs) Yes, I have. I feel like it is, it is a good time in the episode to remind you gentle viewers, if you're listening to us on any of the wonderful Uh, methods that you can, whether it be uh, through Google or Apple or Spotify, and you've never taken the opportunity to stop by the website, 
everybodylovespudding.com. You're missing out, man. Not only are we going to be able to tell you what the upcoming episodes are, we've got links to all of the people that we've interviewed so you can jump straight to episodes and maybe see some interviews you didn't realize we had done. We've been doing this for a number of years, and you could have missed some, some conversations with some really interesting people. We've got our uh, movie reviews just right up on the website. Uh, so that you can see exactly where things line up. Um, yeah, just some great stuff. I mean, I know you're a fan of uh, digging into information. We've even got a, a database, a comic movie database. There's lots of things on there from everything comic book related. And information is being updated as things made, released, produced. So is the, if we think about coming up here in just a couple of days from this recording, we'll have Thor Love and Thunder on Disney Plus. Right. And the basis of that information is up. Well, most of it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like the the, the basic the basic right. stuff, the basis. Right, right. I, I'm still entering a few names from the actors. I've I've been a little behind. <laughs> <laughs> but what we're saying is there's a lot of information on there. There's a lot oh, of yeah. upkeep with that information. Yes. And it's pretty much up to date. Yeah, absolutely. And if you feel that it's really cool, you can always pop over to, you know, visit us on uh, some of our social media, maybe even on the one, the Patreon, where you can support us for, you know, a dollar a month. But enough talk about that. Let's get back to other things that are potentially more interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we've gotten up to 1962, right? We talked about Archie, yeah. That's all that happened in 1962. <laughs> it was a, it was not a great year for comic film. Better luck next TV. time. Yeah, but uh, in 1963, they tried again uh, and succeeded. Uh, were you ever a fan of the, the Beetle Bailey uh, comic strips or comic books? still available now oh yeah if i'm not mistaken uh i did pay attention to it although it might not have been one of my favorites i did pay attention to it well there was a beetle bailey cartoon that came out in 1963 ran for a single season uh beetle bailey if you're not familiar was based on the strip by mort walker in 1950 now this this is not like a traditional television show all of the episodes are six minutes so it's like, you know, just a collection of a bunch of short cartoons. But Beetle Bailey is uh, kind of like, um, oh, what was the in the television? Golly, like Gomer Pyle almost uh, without the country colloquialisms <laughs> that went into it. It's like, I'm in the Army. How can I do as little as possible <laughs> in the Army to get by? That's Beetle Bailey. It's mostly him just fighting with his sergeant. Hmm. What was the sergeant's name? Sarge. Just Sarge? <laughs> to my memory, it was just Sarge. Uh, Sergeant Snorkel. Mm. Uh, yeah. So it's silly. It's fun. Um, the individuals that were part of this particular show, for the most part, uh, at least in, in terms of the actors, you know, you got Howard Morris. I mean, he did quite a bit of stuff. Um if you ever watched the Andy Griffith show, he was on that for a number of years. Oh, he had a part in Splash. 
Dr. Zidel. Zidel. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he, he got around 156 credits. Pretty impressive. Wow. Oh, he, he was on Garfield and Friends as Wade Duck. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it was. I knew there was something that was digging at the back of my mind that I knew him from. That was it. But uh, also, DuckTales. DuckTales. Dr. Von Swine. Police Academy had an animated series. That's what I was just thinking, too. I was like, that's... Okay, you know. All right. So yeah. So yeah, this guy got around. He he did a lot of voice work. But uh so yeah, so that was the that was the man that did Beetle Bailey and Alan Melvin did Sergeant Snorkel. Uh I don't remember him being quite as Yeah, he had he had some stuff, but he wasn't quite as uh quite as uh in demand. There's the words I was looking for. But he he definitely had some had some things that he was doing a lot of additional voices, uh, oh. challenge of the GoBots. He was Electro in Spider Man. Yeah, so some good stuff. <laughs> he was Fun and Flash Gordon. What's your name? Fun. <laughs> Are you saying Sun? <laughs> no, Fun. Fun. Oh yeah. I can tell that uh, we're going to probably need to to wind this down here shortly. <laughs> Captain K. Is yeah. that what that is? Uh, looks like it. Uh, additional voices. Okay. But uh, he he was also additional voices on Plastic Man. He did a lot of additional voices. He sounds like the guy that you had come in to fill out everything that you needed because he had some some range and he would do what needed to be done. But yeah. I never watched any of this show, and uh, not much to it. No. We're not doing too good. We've not watched a single, well, we saw the Popeye it stuff. It's a Popeye, yeah. That's about it. Well, let's try, how about Casper? Ooh. Have I watched any episodes of Casper? I want to say I probably have, but nothing that I would remember. Well, Casper the Friendly Ghost came out in 1963, an animated television show. This is one of those borderline instances that I was talking about. Because technically, Casper was not based on a comic book exactly. So there was a story that was written um Back in, uh, what was it, 1945. Um, And then he was introduced into a film, but if I remember correctly, he was not named Casper at that point. He was just a friendly ghost. Hmm. And then once 1949 rolled around, he was actually in a comic, and that's where he was Casper the friendly ghost. Now I have a name. And that... That's that's uh, going off of uh, potentially failing memory, but just in case to be thorough, we're still going to put him in here. Plus, because I like a friendly ghost, and I wanted to talk about something that maybe somebody had heard of in this episode. <laughs> There's a couple things. <laughs> There's a couple things, but uh, yeah, for the most part, that's the only thing I wanted to bring up on that. None of the names really mean anything, uh, but it was kind of a fun cartoon to be able to see at that time. Um, they tried to do another Archer. Archer. No, not Archer. Archie. I don't think Archer would have gone over too well in no, the 60s. No, that would have been awful. Um, they tried to do another Archie television show, which was called Archie. 
1964, didn't really take off. Um, probably uh, just another instance where they weren't quite ready. Now, a lot of the actors and actresses uh, that were on the previous attempt rolled over to this attempt, which was kind of interesting. But uh, again, they really wanted to make this work. Yeah, they they were trying, but uh, um, yeah, just didn't quite work out. But let's let's end the episode with one that we do know. Let's let's go out strong. Let's stay in 1964. Let's talk about something maybe a little creepy, mysterious. Yeah, a little spooky. Altogether, ooky, ooky. <laughs> Adam's family. Oh, I loved this show. I think I think what really what really got people on this show is the creativity, was the characters, was the cast. Um I you know the there's kids, there was adults, there was, you know, adult themes, kid themes. I mean, it just family themes, but all based around like that weird eccentric family, you know, it, it, and it has staying power. Uh, you can find a review on our webpage for a more modern version of an Adams family animated right. show. And the funny thing is there's a new Wednesday Adams show. That's like out on one of the streaming services as we speak. Hmm. Um, but just the, so the comic strip was very much, I, they were very, um, they did a good job of keeping it in terms of theme uh, with the way that the comic strip was. Now, the comic strip was by Charles Adams. Weird. <laughs> in 1938. And that's the, that's the whole thing. It's just all of, the, all of the characters, while they're weird, they're just unbelievably lovable. And, you know, it's like, how can you not look at John Aston as Gomez and just go, man, I would love to know that dude. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I would love to know the actor, but I would love to know Gomez Adams. He mm -hmm. just seems like somebody that would be fun to hang out with. Mm -hmm. Very outgoing. He could teach me to, you know, like dance. Dance moves. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely adores his wife, which, you know, you, you think about the shows at the time. Now, now, this actually predates the Adams family, but, you know, like the Honeymooners, which was like, oh, I oughta to the moon with you, Alice. A lot of that kind of diminishing of the, of the, of the female partner, of the wife. And it just, that didn't happen in this show. The wife was exactly who he wanted, exactly who he loved, and he would do whatever he could to show it mm -hmm. at all times. And she would just be so, you know, like straight-faced and creepy but not creepy, right? Right. And it was like it was the the perfect character. And she would give just she would give just little tiny flexes of facial. Uh, movements to kind of show whether she was approving or not. And that was Carolyn Jones that did Morticia in this particular uh, incarnation of it. And she was perfect. Well, that's why I'm saying in 
in other some of the other things we've tried when they've done pilots, we've we've talked about they've done pilots and the cast was great, but the story wasn't good. No. The cast is great in this one, and the story's great in this one, and everybody played the I, everybody brought their part to life so well. I, I think that's one of the reasons why it had the success that it did. Well, being able to see normal what is considered to be normal suburban, normal American life through the lens of the absurd is kind of kind of fun. It allows you to step back and and think about well what what really is absurd? What what is crazy? Um, and they did a great job. And of course, Ted Cassidy is a lurch. You know, you can't uh, whoops. That is not what I intended to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm hitting random buttons here. Uh, but seeing him in uh, in this role was also great. Yeah, okay. I, I just, I'm going to gush over this show. I have, I guess the thing that really surprises me the most, it was only two seasons. Yeah, I was seeing 60, 64 episodes, so it's not like it made it a hundred and some odd shows four seasons it just didn't have the staying power unfortunately yeah i don't think people got it at the time it was just it was just so out there they they couldn't see the purpose through the through the glitz glitz is not the right word but through the affectations yeah they just saw it as the weirdness, but they didn't see the message and uh, the life behind it. Yeah. But if you've never seen it, it is it is fantastic. This is one of those shows that it doesn't matter that it was made in the 60s. It actually ages extraordinarily well. Um, so, Maybe even better. Right? Who knows? It's quite possible. But, uh, yeah, if you get a chance... Um, Definitely take a look at it. Jackie Coogan as Uncle Fester, also just fantastic. The faces that he could make kind of reminds you if you like the Three Stooges a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good stuff. What about Cousin It? Um, now, the, he did a lot of stuff. He was in, um, that was uh, Felix Silla. He was in um, Wizard of Oz, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um <laughs> Having trouble getting words, but he's also in Spaceballs. Uh, he was an Ewok in Return of the Jedi, Poltergeist, stunts. Yeah, I'm uh, for the kids. Mm, okay, that makes sense. So yeah, so he he did a lot of that kind of work. He had a, a recurring part as Lucifer in Battlestar Galactica. That's kind of awesome. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Just, uh, I feel like his face is very recognizable. Oh, yeah, of course, but, you never would have noted as cousin it, right? <laughs> well, you know, you, you get you get the hand, and that, that's all you can do. But I, I misremembered he was not in uh, Wizard of Oz, I was, I was thinking of a different actor, I could have sworn that that was him, but I guess not. The Golden Child. That was a fun film. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, that, that basically catches us up to the mid-60s. Nice. And uh, hopefully you are finding this trip down memory road as interesting as we are. 
Um, and like I said, I'm sure we're going to get to some stuff that, that people will have seen recently. I'm just thinking about it. It's like, okay, so this is the mid-60s. So let's say you were born in the mid-60s. That would make you at this point 57. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking we're going to get to, eventually, we're going to get to that time frame. It's like, oh, this was my childhood. We're going to get to some people that. <laughs> that are going to start recognizing these shows because unless you watch stuff in syndication, no, or you didn't didn't have uh, cable like me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I watched a lot of a lot of stuff in syndication. So I watched some some interesting old televisions like uh, shows like this. But uh, we will be back next week for sure uh, with a brand new episode. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it's going to be because we've been moving some stuff around a little bit. I think it's going to be an interview, if I remember correctly, with a, a fascinating gentleman that has some some fun stories to share with us. But uh, if not, we'll put that in something else that's going to be just as awesome and you can just say, hey, stop telling us about the next episode. It's not going to be the next episode. I have all these hopes and dreams. And that's sometimes right. they just just doesn't pan out. <laughs> but until then, keep watching some of these classic television shows. Tell me if I uh, if we missed anything uh, from the beginning to the mid '60s of shows based on comic strips or comic books. Tell us some of your memories. You know where we are on social media, where we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We would love to hear it. But until next time, 